1: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 364.
0: like, well, I don't want to journal. I'm like, okay, find an app, go for a walk, write thank you notes, do it any way you want to do it. But start that practice because it changes your mindset and opens the possibility for grace to enter.
1: Do you have a division between who you are as a business leader and who you are as a spouse, friend, sibling, or parent? Well, the awareness of the division that exists within you and the roles you play creates space for your inner voice. That inner voice is seeking your attention and hinting that there is a better, easier way of leading and being. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. We're joined each and every week to chat with an author about their latest book. And today, that author is Alexis Thompson. And her new book, released in January, is called The Graceful Leader. I'm going to ask Alexis to share about the six tenets you need to understand in order to achieve graceful leadership, how to address and handle pushback from potential grace baggage, the power of grace to transform your company's culture, and lots more. As you dig into her book, Alexis says you'll find yourself making better decisions, building healthier relationships, and experiencing joy, love, and compassion as you transcend into the leader you were born to be. And a quick note before we bring Alexis on, if you have struggled to develop a consistent reading habit... Even if you've got that part down but need help with making the most of what you read, actually putting what you learn into practice, I've got what I believe to be the perfect book for you to do just that. Yeah, it's a book about reading, and it's called Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. That's right. It's my own book. After interviewing other authors for nearly eight years, I've got my first book coming out in August, and you can pre-order it right now. Currently only available on Amazon. You can go to to readtoleadpodcast.com com slash book to be taken directly to its amazon entry or go to amazon and simply search read to lead it would really mean a lot if you pre-order it i think you'll get a lot out of it too again it's read to lead slash book Alexis Thompson's body of work is a testament to her own leadership journey as well as the journey of hundreds of of other leaders. And a tipping point for Lexi, as I think she'll allow me to call her, came when she established her gratitude practice and and spent a decade refining it. Today, developing a gratitude practice is a key element of her work as a board-certified executive coach. Now, she also serves as adjunct staff for the Center for Creative Leadership, and she's a member of the Forbes Coaching Council. She authored the Tribal Gratitude Journals, curated a collection of short stories called Gratitude 540 and is building a retreat center in Vermont that will be, quote, a safe space for souls to show up. Her new book, the one we're diving into today, is called The Power of a Graceful Leader, Flow, Integration, Alignment. Lexi, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jeff. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I I think we should start with this word grace that I think for a lot of people, right or wrong, good or bad, can sometimes come along with some baggage. So, So define for us how you see grace and what does practicing grace look like? Yeah.
0: Thanks for that. It was funny because there's a quick story here. I thought about going a traditional publishing route and I was told by a couple publishers that I wouldn't be able to use that title. And so as a result, because of baggage, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as a result, I just decided to, to publish on my own because that was the book I was bringing into the world. So thanks for noticing the baggage because there does <laughs> seem to be that, that there. And grace is a way of being. It's an embodiment of a lot of different Tenants, whether there's six in the book, and it, and it is, it happens most effectively when someone spends time aligning who they are and how they do what they do. And often I get, well, there's going to be a epiphany or an awakening or whatever word you want to use. And am I going to have to quit my job when I learn this? Or am I going to have to like leave my family or move to a mountaintop or any of those things? And the truth is grace happens in every moment of every day, no matter the role you're playing. And the cool part about this body of work is it can be the graceful leader within you leading yourself, which we often aren't typically very kind and graceful to our own selves. Mm -hmm. Or it could be leading a multi-million-dollar company wherever you're headed there and all the spaces in between. When people... are around a leader who is in their grace center. They feel it. There are some visible seeings of it, but it's more a way of knowing. And they're also able, when you're able to be your full expression of yourself, appropriate to the situation. That doesn't mean just whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, um, but situationally appropriate, but fully bring all your gifts and talents to whatever space and place you're with a graceful leader, there's a bountiful space to do so. And there's a deep listening for the greatness that you are within you and a place to foster it.
1: Mm. Most of us are familiar with terms like servant leadership, conscious leadership. How do those connect to graceful leadership?
0: Yeah, they're, they're all very, very important parts of a graceful leader. Mm. So for me, I studied a lot about servant leadership years ago when it kind of became the term and there was a, like a framework to understand what it is and was. And it is definitely a step in the journey to being graceful as being in service to others, understanding the, the truth of a leadership paradigm that you're not at the top or above or command and controlling. You're coming from the sides and behind to perhaps remove barriers and lead from a different position. And then consciousness, the conscious leadership is the ability to understand who you are, like period. And that's a whole internal journey that creates an awakening and an experience of the world around you from a very different framework when you begin to understand what you are and what you're not and the the loveliness and the not-so-loveliness of that experience. Mm. The graceful leader brings those things together, right? So on the cover of the book, there's an infinity symbol, and it's very intentional that those six dots on that infinity symbol represent that as a graceful leader, you move in that continuum Almost effortlessly, most of the time. Um, just knowing that you're going to be from the front, the side, serving, leading, crisis control, not showing up at all—you know—because your team or the people that you've entrusted literally don't need to, you, you know, so there's a space in graceful leadership. There's a little bit of a reckoning that you you're leading, people want you to lead, but they don't have to have you. It then becomes this really symbiotic choice, and that could be scary for leaders. <laughs>
1: Yeah. As I prepared for this conversation, I found that as I wrote out my questions, I was essentially wanting to ask a question from every single chapter, which is not always the case. And, and after opening the book with chapter one and kind of defining grace for us, you, you, you go into the the six tenets of graceful leadership. Do you mind unpacking those for us?
0: No, not at all. It was um, I did a, I unpacked these for a small group of people the other day, and we all realized that it's, I'm going to have to go quickly because these are very deep sure. Work, bodies of work so the the graceful leader there's six and the first one is integrating mind body and soul I think a lot of us have heard that and we mm. go oh okay I need a meditation practice maybe a gratitude practice I probably should throw in some yoga right <laughs> and then I got it right I got a t-shirt and I'm maybe a peloton because I'm ordered mine <laughs> you know But there's there's an understanding that there's there's multi facets of being a human being and there's different energetic bodies. I think that if I was to pick one of the supporting areas underneath this, because each of them have a few bullets to kind of give you an idea of what this means in this context of graceful leadership, the key one is really understanding your mission, vision and purpose in the world. Simon Sinek coined it quite a while back, right? Know your why. And, And that's the beginning of understanding why you're here. And when you begin to understand that, I know for me it did it did result in some pretty big pivots in my work world. And it took me, you know, I started with a paragraph. Someone would ask me, "Okay, who are you? What do you do?" And I, instead of giving my title, I practiced with, you know, three long sentences, and they just looked at me like I was a lunatic. <laughs> um, I eventually got it down to creating safe places for souls to show up, which most people can kind of get, and then they have some inquiring questions. Mm. But in that tenet, that's a really big place to start. And the evolving tenet, which is the alignment of soul and self, there's so much good stuff out there in psychology to help you understand that there's your egoic self. And that's not a bad thing. We don't need to make ego bad for our soul centered self to come in and play a part. It is more about understanding that you have two or more energetic bodies. And at least these two, your egoic self and your soul-centered self, your grace center, and getting them aligned and integrated so that they work with each other rather than at each other reduces a lot of internal strife and friction. Hence, you go into that flow space that we talk about here as well. Transparency of self and others. This is um, walking your talk, which I think most of us get that, Hmm. you know, when you mess up, clean up, do better, know better, do better philosophy. This one here is important for leaders because we talk in here about not identifying with the labels that you either put on yourself or others put on you solely. So I get a big job. I remember when I got my first VP title, mm. I was like, yeah, you know, I got the, <laughs> the, the shirt, the medal, the authority. And I did identify with it a lot. And I had some really crappy behavior mm. as a result of what I inferred that to be by watching others with that title. I didn't know better, so I didn't do better, to understand who I was meant to be inside that framework of VP. Uh, Connecting self and universe, this is understanding the world is bigger than you. (laughs) It seems like, you know, we try to teach our children that from a young age, like, share, it's not all about you. And then somewhere in our career, we seem to forget it. Mm. Like, you know, we take things to really personally, because if that happened, it must be because I'm good or bad. And that's a whole journey in here for Mm people to take on. Um, connecting self and universe, the biggest thing here is moving from, a, I did this from a victim or a victor position to we collectively, be it you and your team, you and your family, your ego and your soul, <laughs> no matter how you look at it, it's a we construct. And that sensitizes you to the fact that whatever it is, is you're, however you're behaving could possibly have some kind of consequence somewhere else in the universe. Mm. And I don't think sometimes we stop to think about that because we're moving towards results so fast. You know, we have things we actually have to get done and goals to achieve. Co-creating and innovative. When we come into graceful leadership, one of the surprises that I've noticed over the hundreds of people I've worked with is they started becoming way more innovative than they even thought possible. Mm. They were seeing possibilities where there was either the possibility wasn't visible or the problem was there, but there was a possibility inside the problem that didn't exist before a lot of times that comes through a really healthy gratitude practice, right? Frank right. mindset framework. And lastly, but definitely not leastly, and these are all circular. So they don't go one through six. You can pick one that resonates with you, leave the rest alone and, Just go there for as long as you'd like. But the compassionately powerful is oftentimes leaders, and I did what I was leading for a long time, have a story that I either can be compassionate and caring, or I can get results. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to do both because they seem incongruent to each other. And the truth is, what I've found and many others is that diving into empathy and compassion creates space, and it also yields moving you from a force to tactical into a power position, which means people are going to choose you. You're going to have a choice cycle on that infinity symbol versus just a one way. Here's how it is. Here's what I need you to do. Force, 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 control and command. So that's a quick overview.
1: Appreciate that. That was that was great. That was awesome. Um, You know, we talked about baggage a bit earlier. What do you tend to see in the way of pushback from leadership oftentimes with regard to things like the inconvenience or the pain, or the work, or the risk, and all that goes with with practicing this.
0: Yeah, that's funny, because I just did a post on LinkedIn about this. There's four key areas I've seen where leaders give resistance to the idea, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, it's a great idea, but it's not possible. (laughs) So it is inconvenience and pain. You nailed two of them. And then there's the work and the risk. And Mm -hmm. so the inconvenience is, oh, I'm going to have to slow down. I'm going to have to care about how Lexi feels about this. Is this going to take forever? All of the noise in the back of the brain that makes you have the story, that it's not going to be worth the investment. Um, Oftentimes that's just because you're probably not the most effective listener and communicator, because when you clean up that, you find that's a really potent place for a lot of really ripe possibilities with that other human or that team. The pain is, quite frankly, most of us spend a lifetime avoiding pain. And so when we realize this self-journey or self-awareness thing, um, requires that we actually look within and do business with some of our demons and our monsters and our limiting beliefs, we're like, nah, I'm good. I'm the senior VP of this big, large company. Clearly, I've got something going for me. I'm making all the money I want. And I do not need the disruption. The work part follows kind of the pain part because there's deep work involved. And then there's the whole part of results, results, results. And people have that dual thinking that it's one or another. And the risk This is a lot because simply because our systems, organizational systems, um, we live in a pretty litigious society. And so the HR function or the people function of an organization is there to defend in the most honorable way, hopefully, the organizational safety, um, psychological safety, physical safety of itself. And in that, we've come to the place where leaders say to me all the time, you know, um, I have to write someone up but they have this going on or that going on. or I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to ask what's going on. Mm-hmm. HR tells me don't go there. So I just have to go ahead and write them up. And I don't even know if that's the right tactic to handle. So mm-hmm. there's all those resistance points, which if you're thinking you need to get results, you would just remove the resistance and probably not enter.
1: Mm-hmm. You talked a moment ago about journaling and, and gratitude and a gratitude journal. That's an entry point, I think you call it, to Grace. Yeah. How did this practice change you personally?
0: Oh, man. So by DNA, I'm a command and control personality, mm. um, and it worked for a period of time. And I got all the time, I got great results. You know, the, There was a couple of times in my career where I had a leader that cared enough about me to let me know that that wasn't working, mm. both for me and for my team. And the second time it happened, right, the resistance, came. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'm still getting the numbers, I'm good, right? Mm. But the second time it happened, for whatever reason, it kind of pierced my veil a little bit mm. to cause me to have an inquiry. So I went and, you know, just like you would Google or whatever you want to do, like, mm. how do you fix this flaw, character flaw? And gratitude kept coming in and kept coming in and kept coming in. So I started playing with it. I played with it for three or four years. I'd say the sixth year, I kind of started getting it. And there was some really positive mindset results. I had that innovation awakening. I was seeing possibility where there was problems in people in my life and in situations in my life. In the Power of a Graceful Leader, you'll see I have a testament to going back over my lifeline and cleaning up messages that were decades and decades old. Mm. And so that all came from my gratitude practice. And it removed so much shame and guilt in my life. I mean, when you take that stuff out, there's so much room for awesomeness and abundance and again, possibility.
1: Mm, I can attest to that, having just had dinner this past Friday night with a friend who used to work for me when I had a similar style of leadership and she didn't last very long under that style of leadership. And thankfully we were years later able to go back and revisit that and patch it up and and, and now there's that really tight, close friendship. But it, yeah, it took a lot of admission on my part of the damage I had done and, and coming to terms with that past and doing something to change it going forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. And I want to thank you because every time any, any human does that work, we mm-hmm. clear so much for so many others. Mm-hmm. So that activity is humbling, as you know, mm-hmm. um, to say the least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about how leaders can leverage grace to help with distinguishing uh, what you call story from, from fact? Uh, what does that look like in, in practice?
0: Yeah. So deploying this curiosity. When we get in judgment, we remove the opportunity for grace. It, they, mm. they don't they don't play well together. They, one diminishes the other, and equally so. So if I'm sitting here and I'm in a meeting and Susie always has to talk way longer and then we're overdue and we miss lunch, so I have a judgment about her lack of value per se in the meeting, right? Mm. Because she's just not adding value. My story. I could instead choose to deploy some curiosity there, if appropriate in public or in private, which may be more appropriate. Mm. I could ask her, so, hey, I'm kind of curious. When we're in meetings, it feels like right at the nth hour, you're always asking this question, which feels like it got answered on the first five minutes of our meeting. So is there something going on? Like, are you, is there something I can support you in? And then just get in conversation with that person and really just be willing to sit in an uncomfortable space because that can be threatening depending on how skilled you are in that inquiry and just keep practicing and doing it right. When I was first working at this, I screwed it up a lot Mm. and I would be in mid conversation. The other person would get defensive and I would catch the defensiveness and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Time out. That wasn't my intention. I clearly understand why you're giving that back to me. Can I start over? Mm. And they would be like, oh. Okay, what was your intention? And then I had to really get clean with that. And if there was a hidden agenda, it got seen on my part pretty cleanly. And then I had to own that. (laughs) That's that's an honest, vulnerable place to be in a graceful way as you're growing. Mm.
1: Well, how does grace impact a company's culture in, in the right way?
0: So I have a kind of an antidotal story that's really recent in my practice. And so I've been working with a leader for about three years now, on and off, and then his VP group. And it's a regional large company, but it's a regional area in the Americas. And when I first had the pleasure of working with this amazing man – he was pretty black and white. He was like, this is how it's an engineering space. So you, it's very analytical, right? Um, so we're, we're going to do this. We're going to get that. We're going to do this. We're going to get that. And much of that was very true. But when it came to dealing with and working with and elevating the innovation specifically that he was looking for in his, in his engineering team to not just be so black and white, but to look at new possibilities. Just before COVID hit, about three months, the team, the HR business partner was pretty astute and knew that virtual was going to be something they were going to have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. And so he started setting up systems and things in place. The his boss, this gentleman, was like, "Yeah, whatever. You know, we're always going to go to the office. This is how it is." And the HR business partner was like, "Yeah, okay," and just kept doing the -the behind-the-scenes work. Well, three months later, COVID hits, and everyone's home. Mm -hmm. So the great news is they had some systems identified and a couple of quasi in place to deal with this. Right. And then all of a sudden this gentleman is looking at a very new world, a way of working and unsure how to navigate that space. Mm. So we got really the executive team and I got really hands in, dirty, talking about some really tough stuff. And fast forward a year later, COVID now, um, they're talking, everyone's talking about, are we reentering? Are we not reentering? If we reenter, how do we do that? And it was, An epiphany for all of us to hear him say, We are not returning right now. We've worked too hard to build trust in our division. Mm. I think that would be a violation of the trust. We are not lacking key performance indicators. We have some work to do. So we're going to go ahead and make it a voluntary reentry. And that isn't black and white. That's working a lot in the gray. And that's transformational for our culture.
1: I was just reading the other day that Salesforce announced that they're not requiring anyone to return to the office forever, basically, is is how they put it. I'm I'm like, it's not a good time to be in the office rental space. (laughs) That's your your line of work.
0: That's a very (laughs) scary place to be. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, for for someone wanting to determine uh, their path to to graceful leadership, uh, what are some good first steps?
0: I would say, look at the tenants because I think that's a really, and you can get the tenants for you. Do not have to buy the book and go to my website and download them for free. Mm -hmm. But I would just be with them, like read them and go, yeah, this one doesn't make sense. Or this one, this one's, I'm curious about this and find the one, right? Just find one that is creating some resistance for you Mm -hmm. because that's a great place to start and you can do it as a solo act in the beginning and kind of just start mining for some things about who you are and who you see yourself being or who you've been and you want to kind of be something different in your world as a leader, that's a great place to start. Mm. There's always a gratitude practice. I mm. can't say that enough times. <laughs> and, there, you know, people are like, well, I don't want to journal. I'm like, okay, find an app, go for mm. a walk, write thank you notes, do it any way you want to do it. Mm. But start that practice because it changes your mindset and opens the possibility for grace to enter. Mm.
1: The thing that got me starting with journaling on a consistent basis was very simply instead of just opening up to a blank notebook, which I used to try to do, Uh because I've just got these seven or eight prompts of questions that I just go through and and, and answer. And, And one of those is, you know, what am I what am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? Yeah. Whether you're in a position of leadership or not, and you're thinking, you know, my workplace is never going to go for this, (laughs) what are some tips for kind of talking about introducing this subject into the workplace, let's say?
0: So that's great. There's a whole chapter on this, right? So mm. I think that the best way here that I've seen be most effective is to not talk about it and then start practicing it. Mm. You don't have to call it graceful. You can just take some of the tenants and start practicing them. What's going to happen with the really cool part is people are going to go, huh, oh, Lexi's acting a little different. She's not so bossy or she's listening better. Or look at the results our team are getting because. What happened over there? And people will start peeking over in your part of the world. And then you can start introducing, well, I've done this, or I read this book, or I have this new way of being, or this new practice. And because the invitation is going to come, grace is a very magnetic, energetic way of being with people. Mm. and. I've learned that when I'm in that more than not, that's when all the really good, juicy parts of my life start to show up. I do want to say this whole practice, as in any, it's participation, not perfection. So Mm. when I say this, I'm not sitting here graceful 365 days, 24-7. I goof it up (laughs) a lot. I just have the skills to clean it up or recognizing it before it gets too messy. Mm. So um, some grace with yourself is a pivotal place to start.
1: Great point. Well, i want to shift gears here a bit. Give us some insight, Lexi, into your history with, with reading and the impact that books have had on your life. How has the habit of, say, intentional and consistent reading played a role in your success, assuming it, it has?
0: Yeah. So I've been a voracious reader since a young, young person. Um, my mom and dad live in the house that I grew up. And um, when I go there, especially if it's the fall, because it's in Vermont, I'm back here now, but I lived in Texas for a long time. There's a bunch of birch trees <laughs> mm-hmm. and I used to spend hours and hours on a blanket under those birch trees mm. in fantasy land, you know, <laughs> Stephen King when I was young and a whole bunch of other ones. Mm. But I would I would be able to, I'm introverted by nature, so it was natural for me to escape my world, you know, not because it was good or bad, but just to venture other worlds. Mm. Eventually, I became a young mom and I didn't know what that meant. So I started the health self-help in that space because I was like, how do I be a good mom? And mm. what does that mean? And how do I not screw them up too bad? <laughs> and then eventually, um, as I grew my career and my leadership studies, I read a lot of documentary kind of things mm. or movies and books where people can actually share their story, the power of their story and how mm. they got there, and then be able to refine how I get there. So it's very, very, very Pivotal
1: on my whole life. If you had to pick one or two that have had uh, an impact on you, is there a couple that come to mind that you like to encourage other people to read?
0: Yeah, I think here's an easy one. I like to give an easy one. So one is the Four Agreements, and it's easy because there's four, and you can remember them, right? (laughs) And you can put it on your refrigerator, and you can just remember. Your beingness, and ask yourself because I do this often: Am I living inside of those four agreements as best I can? Mm. And another book that most people haven't heard of—it's called Pivot—and mm. it's written by uh, Michelle Smith. It's all about co-creating with nature, and it's a huge memoir that she's written that is both of this world and not of this world. Mm. So it—it's been a beautiful read, and I implement a lot of her practices in my life.
1: Mm, great recommendations. As you look ahead to the rest of this year, what are you looking forward to? What What are you and your team excited about going forward?
0: Yeah. So the the most exciting thing right now is that we're tightening up and getting ready to deliver the coursework around PGL Mm. so that people can actually get in and get their hands and have a mechanism to engage with the the concepts and ideas in a practical way. That's really important to me. Um, And then the other thing is we've purchased some acreage in Vermont and we're developing and unfolding an intimate intensive retreat center here for healing and transformation.
1: Excellent news. Well, the book again is called The Power of a Graceful Leader, Flow, Integration, Alignment. Her name is Alexis Thompson or Lexi as soon as you become friends. Uh, Lexi, thank you so much for being a part of the uh, Read to Lead podcast today. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate your time and what you're doing.
1: I've made it easy for you. If you want to learn more about Alexis and her book and the other links and resources we talked about, go to the page on my website that's dedicated to this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 364 for episode 364. Hey, would you consider pre-ordering my book right now? You can do so by going to Amazon and searching Read to Lead or visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash book to be taken directly to it. It's called Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. Two of my favorite people are next in line to visit us here on the podcast. In two weeks, it's Michael Hyatt and Company's new CEO, Megan Hyatt-Miller. And next week, we'll hear from Soundtracks author, John A. Cuff. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead.